Blog Talk Radio. Um, 
every statement and and to do these talk shows are on five nights a week um eight o'clock uh eastern standard time uh five nights a week Monday through friday and here's the reason the reason is is that when it comes to childhood sexual abuse uh there are one and three girls and one in five or six boys, I've seen the latest statistic as one in five, will be sexually abused before the age of 18. So when we talk about a, a pandemic, um, the numbers are staggering and statistics are underreported because so many uh, uh, victims of child abuse and sexual child abuse do not come forward. So it's, uh, it's very, very, very important that we continue to do the work, continue to do the shows, and continue to talk about the mission. So um, we also have Bill Murray on the line um, on the panel. He's our founder of NASCA. Um, He's called in. Um, So thank you, Bill, for calling in tonight. I really appreciate it. Um, Glad to. Typically, Monday, Wednesday, and Fridays, we invite um, an adult survivor of child abuse to come on the show and tell their story. Um, But when we... uh, we do not have a guest booked. We we do this open mic forum, and we talk about an issue that's related to uh, the work that we do into our mission statement. And I know there was some discussion about talking about the steps to recovery um, for an adult survivor of childhood sexual abuse who is uh, beginning the process of acknowledging um, that may be remembering or for the first time speaking about events that happened to them um, in their childhood, um, which which is something that I know that I have personally uh, gone through that process. I know that Kim has as well, and I know that you have as well, Bill. Um, and so I, I'm, I'm throwing that out as an option for a topic of discussion, but I'd like your input, Kim, and your input, Bill, as to uh, what you wish to discuss, if that's something that you are interested in um talking about or if you have a different idea um i don't have a different idea but i think um we should just take advantage of these shows to encourage folks to call in in case they have any questions about nasca you know we do an awful lot of things and i have a feeling that there are some people out there who can't make you know can't can't make heads or tails of what it is we do because we like we have too many things. <laughs> so um, to simplify it, it, we'll just use these shows, I hope, to um, let people ask questions or make comments. And it can be a criticism. It can be a constructive criticism, of course. Or it can be a question about um, how we do things or whatever. But uh, I, I want to engage the public if we can in these discussions. And I just – not that I want it to be a free-for-all because we have to stay on topic. But – um, you know, there's a lot we can do on a on a question and answer or open discussion type show like this. Yes, exactly. So we exactly we'd rather have you call in with your questions or comments. And again, the uh, number to do that is area code six four six five nine five two one one eight. And you have three. Uh, Three adults about the child abuse on the line that have a lot of experience, um, personal experience uh, with uh, everything that's involved um, with the recovery process um, and the 
the ups and downs and the lifelong um, road and journey that it is to um, to recovery. Um, we all have also different um, work that we do um, that that is related to um, a helping profession, helping others um, bring awareness to this issue. So we we are three resources um, with all different levels of experience and different uh, different stories, um, similar feelings that we can you know add our own. Um, expertise, as well as referring to the NASCO website, which has a plethora of information about the topic. So we do encourage you to call in, and Kim is here to greet you on the back line. But while we're waiting, um, I didn't know if you had anything else that you wanted to discuss, Bill. I'm actually trying to find um, the language that I used uh, for other shows where we've had this happen, and I think I'll do it in a second here. When I do, I'll, um, I'll note that it's been done, and, and anybody who is here with us or is listening can refresh the page or the, uh, the web page or the blog talk radio page that carries the description of the show. Right now it says not yet booked, but I'll put the description of what we're doing tonight there, including the mission statement, and that will help people um, you know, figure out what <laughs> what's going on here. But, look, it's, it's just um, – things where we're having trouble, and that's one of the topics, frankly, that we should t- cover. Why is it that we've been having, you know, trouble recently in finding people who will commit to these shows? Uh, and even some of our co-hosts have not done so. Uh, that's not good. Uh, to me, you know, when you um, when you do take, uh, uh, when you reserve a, a night to be on something, I mean, to, to me, that's making a commitment. The problem is we're not getting enough people to reserve them, you know, and so they just they go without being booked. And uh, well, we're going to do the shows anyway. Uh, we have um, you know five shows a week to do, and three of them are special guest shows. So um, we do have a special guest for Friday, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday are special guests. But this Monday and tonight, Wednesday, no guests. And then last night we had a guest that didn't show up. We had a guest, but she didn't show. <laughs> so it's, it'll be, a, you know, three in a row that um, we don't have anybody come in and, and uh, talk from those, their own experience. So we'll just talk from our own. But um, that's one of the topics we, we could discuss. Anybody who has an idea about why it is NASCA is having, uh, you know, a challenge to, to book the shows ahead of time, that would be great. Now, I... I put out notices that I need uh, I need someone to uh, book Wednesday's show, for example, uh, a couple of days back. And when nobody bites, you know, nobody calls in, we end up doing what we're doing tonight. But uh, you know, it's not it's not a, uh, something we'd like to do over and over and over. We, we want people to take these shows. Now we've done, as you said, uh, 3,100 shows. It's not that we we don't know what well, we're doing no, or no. Well, actually, looks like we do have a caller, area code six six one five eight two three three six seven. So. Um, yeah, that's that's going to be Phil. Philip. Okay, I'm going to unmute yeah, the line. Hello. So. Hello. Hi, Hello. Hello, Phil. How's everybody? Good. How are you? Pretty good. Thank We're you for calling in, Phil. Do you have anything 
Go on, go on, Bob. No, you're the host. No, go ahead, Bob. <laughs> well, I know him, and I've spoken to him, uh, you know, before, and re- just recently when we spoke, um, he really started to come alive, which is great, because he was kind of quiet first, oh, I don't know, 10 or 12 times he called in. <laughs> but now he's starting to talk, which is wonderful, and it's a sign of, you know, becoming comfortable uh, with uh, the fact that, you know, talking on the radio is, is not going to kill you. <laughs> In fact, it's, it's one of the best things you can do if you're a survivor, sharing your story. And this is a, and I always say, not just sharing your story, which is vital, but it's sharing your story in an appropriate setting, which NASCA has here. Uh, you know, we have the people that call in, the hosts and the co-hosts and so forth, uh, are all people who understand because we've all been there. And so this is exactly the kind of place that he should call in and anybody should call in if they, you know, if, if they um, want to, you know, heal. That's what it's all about. You know, we're all helping each other. So he's beginning to know that, and I'm delighted that he keeps calling back. So thank you so much. <laughs> well, exa- exactly, Bill. And uh I think it's, you know, thank you for your involvement. And, and is there uh, anything you wanted to to talk about tonight or any questions you want to ask any of us or we can, anything you want to hear from us? So just let us know what you um, would like in terms of your involvement tonight. And not to put you on the spot, but, you know, we we are here. Okay. Well, I know. Uh, I just wanted. Oh, <laughs> we all started. <laughs> no, I just wanted to say that um, Philip was very open the other night, Monday night, when he called in and shared more than he's ever shared. So, I just also want to acknowledge that again, Philip, and tell you thank you for your bravery for doing that because I know that wasn't easy. So, if anybody oh, interested yeah, not in this. How did you feel the last couple days? Did it feel good to be able to to talk a little bit about it, or has it been hard? Well, I think that I need somebody to be, like, um, there for me right now because my original family really isn't. So I think it's really helpful to hear you guys' feedback. Oh, absolutely. We're here. We're here. Whatever you want to talk to us about or bounce things off of or, or even just listen. So we, we're just glad that you're here because we know you need that support. And that's what we're here for. Absolutely. And you know what, Phil? I totally can relate to what you just said. This is Snoppy. Because that was a big part of just my recovery was my family of origin. Um, the ones that were there that saw the events firsthand, you know, you can, you can talk about your experience too, and you can confide in others, you know, outside of family of origin. Um, but for me, the members of my family saw everything firsthand. And they, they, you know, they were the ones that saw the truth and knew the truth. 
Um, and it was very difficult when you're trying to speak the, of the events that happened and name the things that happened and acknowledge them, which is part of bringing them forward um, and, and, and voicing them when, when, at least for me, um, I would, you know, in voicing the truth, um, there would be denial, right? Because they wanted to seek pattern and seek us to continue. Um, that was that was hard for me to move past the fact that I didn't need a rubber stamp of validation from my family of origin to move forward in my recovery um, and to um, realize that, you know, for whatever reason, you know, whether it's just you know, their own issues of, you know, not wanting to face the events themselves, I cannot be held back from moving forward in my own recovery. And which, um, so I, I, something about what you said really resonated with me. And that's why I just really appreciate having um, NASA's platform and, and the family because um, there is a general uh, support and understanding um, of the experience and, 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 um, and a lot, you know, every step of the way, you know, even though our, uh, of the events of the maltreatment might be different, a lot of times the feelings are the same. So thank you for sharing that. And, and I can totally relate to what you just said. Sorry, you had to go through that. It's very tough. Thank you. It really is. It really is because I, I I feel like you know we're just tribal by nature and um, I was you know those that I I'm biologically bound to I love them and I still do um, but I had to learn that I had to put the recovery you know if I wanted to really move forward in in my recovery and I wanted to stop the cycle and the patterns within my own family if I wanted to um, continue on the path of um, making sure that the cycle didn't continue in my own family because I have children that I had to do it. And it was really, it was really hard. So thank you for acknowledging that. So really hard. Did you get married or anything? I did. So I got married. Um, I got married. I got I've been married for 25 years. And, um, and I always, I don't, I never mind telling anybody how old I am because I think age is important for my story. Um, I got married at 27 and, oh no, wait, maybe I just turned 28. So I've married 25 years and so, but I, I, you know, got married and, and, you know, I think when you don't address the, the events of your childhood, the abuse and, and the patterns are continuing, um, uh, well, it was my normal, right? It was what I just thought was normal. So I really didn't start, um, I hit a wall, right? Um, I think I heard another, it was, uh, I heard another death to family member say, you know, you get into the people, I think the average age of actually going through recovery um, as an adult from childhood sexual abuse in this country is 54. It's like you hit a wall, right? You just, the, the, the trauma, you know, the events weigh on you. They never leave you, you know, you don't escape what happened. You have to address them at some point. And usually the point of just, you know, your uh, either your either your, your mind wants to forget, but your body doesn't. But there's an there's a moment where you're faced with it and you have to deal with it. And that was um, happened to me at 46. 
and I am now 53. So, um, but I've been married, I guess if I've married, but I was married almost 20 years and um, had children, had three sons, and then realized, you know, um, all that came, but, you know, I was living my trauma and I had to uh, address it. So, yeah, I, I did get married and had children and, um, and I realized that I, that I needed to do something about it and I needed to think about the life for myself, but I didn't want to technically continue with my own children and realize that my own wellness and my own healing was not only going to help me, but it was going to help them. So, um, anyway, I don't know if that answers your question, but it, I was, you know, along, I wish I, I wish I had started recovery earlier. And I know that, you know, while I would like to, stop off child abuse and child sexual abuse in the world, that's not really a realistic goal um, in the short term, but I think we can encourage others to speak and to start the process earlier in their lives. So, while I was 46, I might be under the, you know, average age of adult survivor at 54. <coughs> Excuse me, but I wish that I had been 24, you know, um, or 20, Um when I started the process, so. And I was going to say that's why I admire you so much, Philip, and we've talked about that too, is that, I mean, you are a a real advantage of getting this information and, and starting to heal yourself as you're just starting into your adult years. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think that that can be, so helpful thinking about a relationship, you know, as you questioned a little bit about what that would look like. And, you know, that's possible. It is possible. Um, and especially if you get all the help that you need and, and you feel really strong and comfortable in your, you know who you are before you go into that relationship. I think there's absolutely no reason why you couldn't have a beautiful life like you dreamed of and like what you deserved as a child. You could do that. You have that ability. So you're doing good. This is Kim. <laughs> if you didn't know, this is Kim. Hello, Kim. So if I do with everything Kim just said, this is Penelope. Absolutely. And you know what? Healing is totally possible. It's not, you know, it's work, but it's totally possible. And you can, you can, you can have that life that you want to have. That's why, and I, I think it's awesome that you are um, starting starting that process so much younger. Well, and you're doing it. I'm happy support because I've been working for a long time on my own, just hoping for support. Yeah, that's why we're here. I mean, that's why people can all support each other. I've never had this much support either in this arena as I do. And I just, I feel so blessed to be able to to talk to people like you, Philip, that come on and and all of the guests that have on. I mean, it's an honor to be able to do that. And it helps me with my recovery as well to know that I'm not alone. You know, I think that's what we all just want to know is that we're not the only ones that are going through all of these hard things. Unfortunately, 
<laughs> None of us should be going through them. You're doing good, and we're, we're here. You know, though, in a way, we're the lucky ones because there's an awful lot of people out there who are, uh, they're patently, you know, they're patently depressed. You know, they there's no help for them. There's no hope for them. They have no hope. And they have no friends. And they have no relationship with their family. And they have jobs that are dead ends and so forth. Um, and, you know, with our in our situation, once we get going on it, um, we have what basically NASCA is and other groups too, is a new family. I mean, we have a community that doesn't turn us away, that understands us and so forth. And that's new to us when we first get here. And it is, it's not to be missed. That's what I want to tell people. Don't miss the opportunity here because it, it, we can change your life around. You know, you, you can help. You, you can change your life around with our help uh, in, a, in a relatively short amount of time too. Uh, and, and, you know, your life can take a 180 degree turn. And that's, that's absolutely true. I'm sure him and, uh, and Penelope will agree. It's, it's just amazing. Um, so jump in. Uh, we'll, we won't, we won't fail. We'll, you know, stick our hands out and you can hold on to them. <laughs> uh, and we'll throw you a life preserver every now and then if you need one, but you're not going to because you always have a place to come. And, uh, this show is on, you know, as you know, five nights a week. And then there, our, our uh, recovery meeting, which is on Zoom, is um, three nights a week. So we've got plenty of opportunities to express yourself amongst other survivors of child abuse who are re- in recovery. And that's really important, really important. Well, that's what I would say. Glad to hear you, Bill. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Did you know? Did you know about the support groups, Philip? Did I know about what? About the support groups that NASCA offers three days a week. Call three days a week. It's a um, yeah with Carol. Who's on there? I got it. They're on. Sunday, Tuesday, and Thursday, but they're daytime meetings. They're they're at two o'clock Eastern, uh, so that's you know uh, you know one o'clock Central, twelve o'clock Mountain, and, and eleven o'clock in the morning here in Los Angeles on the east on the West Coast. They're also ninety minutes, but they're on Zoom, so you can you can be seen if you want. You don't have to be, but you can be if you want and if you, even if you keep your camera off other people will have theirs on and you can even get to know us face to face that way uh, when you feel comfortable you can use your camera and so forth but uh, there's they we do not record those meetings and there's a reason for that that's because we want them to be thought of as uh, places where people can express the, the difficulties that they might be having in recovery and we don't want them to be revealed to the general public. So uh, those meetings are never recorded, just as these shows are always recorded. Uh, but there's no there's no possibility for people to see you on the, on a radio show. So, so they're a little different, but they're 90 minutes. They're they're facilitated by 
one of us uh, who leads the meeting, and uh, it's, a, it's not a meeting. It's a group kind of that meets three times a week. Um, and so that's another venue, a daytime venue, that people can take advantage of if they have, for example, a problem making the evening meeting. But you should, we, should, we, want, we want to spread the, the news about both these things because we have a lot of ways, is the point, a lot of ways for a person to engage the community itself, the bigger community, not just one person at a time, although that's very important too. And, uh, you know, we do encourage that as well. Go ahead. I tried to to do it a week ago, but I had the wrong time, so nobody was there. Oh, okay. Well, um, like I say, it's it's 2 o'clock Eastern time, so that's 11 a.m. Pacific and so forth. Uh, And all you have to do is... um, Use the, the room number or the meeting number that's on the front page of the NASCA website to locate the meeting. It'll take you right to it. Uh, you know, and you're welcome to come. Anybody is. Thank you. You bet. You bet. Thank you. I don't know. One thing I just think is so great about those Zoom recovery meetings is that, you know, if you want to go, I was looking for actually, that's why I found NASCAR. I was looking for a support a recovery group, and I couldn't find one in the area in which I live. But a lot of times you go into clinics or doctor's offices, or if you're under, you know, getting counseling, sometimes they charge you, you know, to go to recovery group. And this, you know, NASCAR is, is it's not, there's, there's no charge. You know, you can, you can participate in the recovery groups without, there's not a copay, is nothing, right? So it's a resource, right. resource that NASCAR offers that's available to um, to anyone in this world. And I know that we've got people from all over the world that call into them. So um, I just think it's fantastic. And, of course, for any of you that don't know this, um, NASCAR doesn't charge for anything that we offer. And we offer, as, as Penelope says, the – the group experience on the radio and on the uh, recovery group, but we also have many tools and and many services and all kinds of references and so forth. None of which we ever charge for. Nothing. There's no. There isn't even any um, like dues or anything, <laughs> uh, registration or anything like that. You can you can use what NASCA has for free from now until the cows come home. <laughs> was that a cow? Did someone that make a cow, cow noise? <laughs> yeah, it's coming home. I should also say that since I'm on this on this topic that you know, how we support ourselves is by being self supporting, in other words, from contributions and donations because we're a nonprofit organization, but we never, we don't have any kind of fundraising program or, or, uh, you know, uh, you know, any kind of, uh, what is it called? Campaign. Um, you, you need to know that on the front page of the website, there are a couple of places that you can link and you'll go to a PayPal page, which is linked to our, uh, our uh, organization. And that's how you can make, either a 
either a one-time or an ongoing uh, contribution. And that is, in fact, how you get there. You can you don't need to find those PayPal things because you can just type in nasca.org slash contribute. The word contribute gets you takes you to the place to make a donation. Uh, and so you don't have to remember anything else. nasca.org slash contribute. And, uh, yeah, well, we, we, we rely on uh, voluntary contributions of people who this is important enough to make a donation for. And um, but that's how we do do it. And, um, you know, we're grateful to the, the few people that do do it. They're not a lot, but we, the ones that do, it's important, you know. So thank you for listening to both those things. Well, and we don't, you know, even a couple of dollars helps. I mean, no donation is too small. Bigger ones are fine too, but even a, even a few dollars, you know, it, it does help. They all do add up. So um, we do appreciate that. Sure does, Penelope. And, you know, another thing I should mention while we're on this topic and area is that NASCA is run in such a way that there are very few expenses. But we, we keep the cost of running NASCA to an absolute minimum because those of us that participate are doing so using, we don't have like a, an office or a building, you know. We do it from our own homes, uh, usually in the corner of the living room, wherever our laptop is, <laughs> uh, or we have it on our phones and so forth. But the point is that um, there's no rent. It's, we, it's, we use our own machines. Uh, we use our own cell phones and so forth. Um, so we're not burdening the organization with uh, with the kinds of burdens that a, a, a typical organization would have if they were trying to sustain uh, a building and office space and, and pay salaries. We're all volunteers, and none of us are paid. That's another reason that we can keep the costs way, way down. Um, the volunteers here, for the most part, are the ones that do the work, um, and so we have very few uh, needs for any kind of salary thing. The one thing I can think of that we need uh, once a year is someone to uh, repay somebody to provide our tax returns <laughs> for us because we don't want to make a mistake on those, but it's only a couple hundred dollars. So the point is that our costs per year are, are kept to a minimum every year, and um, we can't. We're not. We're not pushing for it. Although I tell you, if we had a little more uh, in our treasury, uh, I, I can think of some ways we could, you know, improve what we do. In fact, it's kind of funny, Penelope. But I was talking to somebody yesterday. <laughs> she called in for the first time, and she said, um, "Yeah, she was just uh, searching for things around the internet about child abuse, and she came upon this one site." that she said was really good. It was kind of old style, but it was really good. I said, but it was all clear, and I could find my way around. I said, that's us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We're not trying to be a flash-in-the-pan kind of organization here. And, uh, you know, our our website is, in fact, it's kind of deli- it was deliberately that way when I started it. I, don't, I won't say it's deliberately still that way, but it was, a, it was an opportunity to um, – to tell people upon arrival, their first glance at it, that it was probably a community organization. You know, it was built by a community member or a group of 
a, you know, a nonprofit, not a nothing fancy, and but it serves all the purposes, and uh, that's what she was basically saying. I said, yeah, that was me. That's us. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, it's a really good site. <laughs> Well, thank you very much. Well, one thing's for sure. One thing's for sure. There's everything's on there. There's if anybody in the world wants to know anything about this topic or a resource, it is on there. So it is. I know you built it for one-stop shopping. You wanted all the resources, information in one place, and it is all there. And it it does take some time to get through it all, but there is. There's something for everyone on that website. I mean, it is absolutely fantastic. You know, one of the things that we have, Penelope, is um, in our uh, groups, uh, our groups and services link, which is one of the first links on the menus that pull down. Uh, when you click on that, it gives you a, a listing of all the states in the country, all the provinces of Canada. In fact, every country in the world is listed. Uh, and when you click on your state, it opens up to a large page with PDF type file that includes um, everything that we can find uh, that is associated with the issue of child abuse and recovery from child abuse. Now, some of them are not uh, as good as others, but and we can't, we can't, we don't, they're not our group, so we can't guarantee you. But if we find one that's, that's problematic, it disappears. And likewise, if a person finds one that's not, knows of one that's not on our list that ought to be there, there's a way for them to write to us and we will add it immediately. Um, and uh, so it's interactive in that sense. Our, our organization has a volunteer in London, England, who does that work. And uh, she also keeps a calendar of events. And these two things are really... Uh, data entry uh, heavy, uh, but she takes care of that, and I don't even have to think about it except posting the pages as she produces them. So <laughs> it's wonderful. Her name is Carolyn O'Hara, and she's wonderful uh, and just keeps working and working and work, chugging and chugging and chugging. We just recently put out a whole new set of calendars for 2023, which lists every state and every country. Uh, independent of any other, and if you have an event that you want to promote, you can write to her about that, too, and say, you know, next uh, April 25th, we're having an event about child abuse awareness at uh, the high school, and you can put it there. Uh, she'll put it there for you. Now, the, the calendar of events is for things that happen only once in a long time, you know, once in a while, not monthly things. That, that would be on the uh, group thing. But the calendar of events is for things like marches, rallies, uh, seminars, uh, you know, things that are things that happen uh, you know, once in a while, certainly less than once a month, uh, and uh, or more than once a month, is it? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and that's free. All this stuff is free. So, you know, you can put that listing, uh, you can have Carolyn put that listing there. She takes a little bit of information, including your website and so forth, and your or your email address and phone number, and she'll put it there. And that's how you can kind of build your community around uh, the information that's accurate from coming from one place. So, anyway, the, um, 
So you know, you mentioned something, and Kim, you mentioned something, and Kim and I actually brought this up at the beginning too. Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. And basically, it's just wonderful to also get involved and volunteer for this for this cause um, as an adult survivor, um, a survivor of child abuse or sexual child abuse. Doing something and taking and taking a stand, um, even if that's volunteering, is that was a big part of my own actually recovery. You know, is to is to you know get involved um, in because it, what I realized is recovery is so much bigger than just myself, even though it was my recovery. And part of that was just also being involved in NASCA. I realized that there's so many of us out in the world. And so, Philip, I also wanted to, you know, add to Bill's statement in that, not, don't worry, I'm not trying to recruit you, but I, I personally found, and I think I heard Kim mention this in the beginning, that the work that we do um, for this cause is, adds to just such a, a, a fulfilling life to be a part of something so much bigger than yourself and to be making a difference. And, you know, some even small, small efforts can make a huge impact. So um, I did want to mention that, Bill, while you're talking about volunteers. Hmm. How many well, volunteers do you have? How many? We don't have an exact number, okay, because, uh, frankly, there are some people who volunteer for things, and we don't know how active they're being. Uh, for example, there's a whole program that we started in it. You know, it may not be appropriate to continue it. We don't know. But it's called the Ambassador Program. And what we wanted was one person from each state to uh, step forward and uh, offer themselves as uh, the NASCA ambassador for their area. It, it just meant that they were, more, you know, knowledgeable and available in Idaho or whatever. And uh, so we that program didn't really catch on as well as we hoped. But then on the other hand, nobody's pushing it. See, that's part of the problem. We have uh, many things that are going on that are not being promoted or not being supported or not being led because, you know, we do need more volunteers. So some of the programs are um, lacking leadership, let's put it that way. Uh, And without a leader, you can't really get the next echelon, the the group below the leader, you know, uh, energized. They, They drop off. So... We don't have an exact number, just like we don't have an exact number of uh, members. We don't know because we don't worry about registering people. We uh, register them when they want the newsletter. In fact, the newsletter hasn't gone out in a long time, but uh, and it's not really registering. It's just giving us your email address uh, for the newsletter. But um, there are no registration necessities. So you're a member of NASCA if you say you are. Uh, and we hope that people are, so we, we know people are saying thousands and thousands that they belong to the NASCA family. But over time, you know, we know it's hundreds of thousands, actually, because we've been around a while now. And it's it's less surprising when we find out that somebody has uh, put NASCA on their website uh, and recommended us than it used to be. You know, it's less surprising than it used to be. <laughs> But um, it's it's all over the place, and many many people know about it. So we're being promoted and offered as a resource by many other groups, for example, just as we offer them. And 
So I don't have an exact answer for you, Philip. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Any other questions, Philip, or comments? I have to put you on the spot, but thank you for your contributions um, so far. Um, well, I was kind of waiting to see if things are okay. Let me see, you know. I didn't okay. understand that, so could you say it again? Does anybody else have anything to say? Okay, I don't know. Right now there are um, four of us here. If we could get some more on, that would be great. I'm sorry, go ahead, Penelope. Um, no, I, I didn't, you know, I, I, um, I know we're talking a lot about volunteering and about the NASCO website, but so we're not really talking about uh, a, a topic uh, that's related to the to the healing process, but um, um, Kim and, and Bill, I'm, I mean, we certainly can can have some discussion around uh, about recovery. Anything like. at all? I just did, I did just post the update of the show's description a while back, so you'd have to refresh whatever page you're looking at that has the the old. Not okay. yet book words there, but it shows you the description. And one thing it shows you uh, in detail is the mission statement, which there's a lot of information about who we are and how we do it, uh, and lots of questions can come from that. But it also states at the very beginning that what we're trying to do here is to create an opportunity for um, for people to comment on what NASCA does, to even to do some constructive criticism of what NASCA does, and we're certainly willing to talk about any of our tools or any of our processes and, uh, you know, in recovery itself, prevention, intervention, and recovery, all three aspects uh, of that, and uh, which we cover all three. So you might want to look at anybody that's listening, the the review of the, the description of uh, the 15th tonight, February 15th, um, which has been updated. Uh, during the show, at the very beginning of the show, I updated it. You have to refresh your page, perhaps. Yeah, so I, I mean, I didn't have a mission statement, but oh, go on, Kim. I'm sorry. No, I was, actually, I was just going to say that um, I think it was probably good. I hope that, like, so, like you were saying, that Philip doesn't think that we're just targeting him at this, but I think it was good to say all of those things that were discussed because we don't really let people know about everything that NASCA is doing. So that's all I was going to say. Is I thought it was a very good discussion. But we can move on. <laughs> <laughs> you did good, Bill. Oh, uh, thank you. <laughs> At least it happened once. <laughs> once in a while. But I said earlier today, once in a while I have a brain. It, it, you know, sometimes it works. But <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Well, I, I tell you what, as far as I can tell, Philip is not worried about how he's sounding now. He was before, but he's pretty comfortable now with us and what he's doing here. So, But, of course, everybody is invited, uh, and we'll, we'll discuss anything they want to bring up. Um, but I did. I, I was talking uh, about some of the, our programs and so forth because that was an opportunity to do so. But we'll talk about anything you want. 
at all out there in the listening world, just call in. It's at 646-595-2118. If you can reach us, 646-595-2118. And that's the phone number we use every night, the dedicated phone number to our show. Yes. I don't so. know what weather is like in your places, but it's really snowy here. So you would think that people would be home, you know, listening to the radio and stuff. <laughs> but it looks like it's kind of a slow night. But that's okay. No so snow here. I, no snow? <laughs> what, though? Not in, not in Los Angeles, no. <laughs> it snowed lightly here last night. Oh, yeah? Uh-huh. Is that unusual cool. for where you're at, Phil? Um, maybe it'll snow here twice a year. Well, that's great. That's fun. We used to get a little variety. Does, because it only snows twice a year, do, does, does everything shut down or do people get around? Are they able to get around? We're able to get around. That's good. Uh, it was like that where I grew up. I grew up, well, I grew up in a lot of places, but one period of time, we lived in a place about six or seven years, Virginia Beach, Virginia. And it was it was one of those places where if it snowed a half an inch, everything shut down. They couldn't do school. The buses couldn't run. <laughs> half an inch. <laughs> uh, it was pretty funny to me because we came from New York and New Jersey where, you know, sometimes you'd have blizzards and so forth and you'd have, it measured in feet, you know, many feet sometimes. And down in Virginia, they they were freaked out by an inch and less. Yeah. <laughs> That's how it is in Arkansas, too. They do freak out. I was there last year when they got a couple uh, inches and everything shut down. And I was just like, being from Colorado especially, no, you don't shut anything down unless you are, like, barricaded in your house with snow. If you could right. dig out, then you drive. <laughs> right. That's right. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Seattle shuts down with snow always. I mean, it doesn't, it's not guaranteed to get snow every year, but you normally get like a dust thing, but yeah, everything shuts down. So, same, Where is that same thing. Where is that in, Se- in Seattle, Washington. I mean, I oh, think yeah, if yeah. they have one. I think they probably have one or two snow plows in the entire place. I mean, they, they're just not really equipped. I'm joking. They might have more now. But Seattle's also um, really uh, a lot of mountains and hills. So when it snows, yeah. there's a lot of, you know, there's because of the steep hills, it does cause a lot of problems. Um, but as you know, I'm in Sarasota, Florida um, for the winter, so I won't tell you that it was 78 degrees and sunny today. I'm not going to mention that. <laughs> <laughs> not going to talk about it. No. <laughs> no. No. Um, <laughs> but honestly, that was another part of, you know, really my own my own recovery is, um, you know, I had an environment where I could actually get outside and be outside um, a lot because movement for me, even if it was just walking and being outside, was very um, important um, and helped me to heal. 
Um, and I've done, I actually wrote a paper um, that's on the NUSC website, uh, and it does talk about the benefits of outdoor exercise and um, how it uh, helps us um, in terms of managing anxiety and, and depression and becoming more productive. But so for me, you know, being in a power of recovery was just being in motion. Um, I found it increasingly hard to be living in the winters in Washington. Um, and unfortunately with COVID, COVID was unfortunate, but one of the good things is, you know, a lot of professions went from being in person to being remote so I can work from anywhere. Um, but at least, you know, in terms of just, we're talking about the weather. So I did want to mention that um, in terms of just, you know, my own journey and healing process and my escape when I was, when I was really young and, and living in a, um, living in a home um, with abuse was to get out and to, and to walk. Um, and to be alone and be by myself and to be able to just uh, work through um, what I needed to work through or just have, you know, uh, some solitude. So I, want, I also want to mention that. No, I don't mention that. <laughs> uh, oh, God. <laughs> well, we're never going to live where there's any snow at all because my wife is Brazilian. <laughs> she doesn't believe in snow. <laughs> so I guess it. gone are the days gone are the days that I'll be shoveling the weather. <laughs> well, the older we get, I you know, it looks good to me. <laughs> like uh it's just cold. I just don't like the cold. But I think um like Penelope was saying I think for me, just any kind of exercise, because I can even do, you know, a 10-minute stretching video, and I feel better about myself in the day, and my body feels better because I've got all these fine issues. Like, Penelope and I have that in common. and um, Mm -hmm. So, yeah, just anything. I mean, if we wanted to get on the topic of what helps us as survivors, well, that's that. <laughs> that's very true. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, I think... But I'm, I'm trying to get through. better about writing, but go, go ahead, Penelope. Well, self-care is important. I, you know, I, I know at least, you know, really before I got into the recovery process, I always, yeah, I found that walking was, you know, helpful. It was my fault and escape, like I mentioned, but just the whole concept of self-care and investing in myself, though, was something that I really didn't think I deserved, right? So I can say maybe that the walking was my self-care, but the other ways I have found other ways to practice self-care, but uh, that took a long time for me to um, feel that I deserved, you know, that to take that time to do that. Um, part of that was just learning how to love myself. Um, and that I was good enough and that I I was deserving of it. Um, so, but I do think that self-care is a really important part of recovery, in my opinion, at least for my own. Anybody else want to share any, any anything they do for self-care or what their thoughts are on that? Um. I like to volunteer for self-care and I like to donate whatever money I can because 
that makes me feel happy. Mm. Mhm. Helping others—that's a great, great way to practice self-care. That's wow. great, Philip. You seem like a very giving person. What yeah, we were talking about that. do for self-care. Would you like Go ahead. Oh, no, actually, I was going to ask you to repeat that, Philip, so we could all hear you. What does Bill do for self-care? What do I do? Uh-huh. Um, well, I have, to, I have to tell you, I'm getting a little older now. <laughs> uh, moving around even is hard for me sometimes. I have uh, aches and pains that I never had before, and I don't recommend getting old to anybody. I'm surprised that it happened to me because I didn't think it was going to happen, but it is now. And uh, you know, um, I'm I'm doing okay, but there have been times when I've been um, I've been so uh, in you know in so much pain or or unable to move that I can't have a, a regular kind of any kind of um, routine about it. But I do, you know, what I've been doing is I've been taking a little better of, uh, of my health. And I go to all the doctor's appointments that I'm asked to be at and all the tests that I'm asked to do and so forth. Uh, I always I show up for those things now. And, you know, I take all the pills they give me. and ugh. I never thought I'd be like that. But, um, you know, I'm going to be 70 next month. So, um, I mean, I was surprised when I turned 60, you know. <laughs> And 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 I thought yeah. I never thought I'd get to be 65, and now I'm going to be 70. So, uh, yeah, I don't have any tricks about it, um, uh, Philip. But I would say that you know start now. I recommend people start now because the um, you know the effort that goes into it now is well worth it on the back end. Um, and you know I'm I'm speaking from my own experience of not really paying attention as much as I could have earlier. But, you know, I mean, I'm not, I'm not um, complaining and I'm not, I'm not crippled or anything like that, but uh, still it's, um, you know, it's, it's, it's important to pay attention to your body. I think that's what we're talking about really. Uh, and, and in recovery, uh, we get an opportunity to do that perhaps in a way that we didn't before, because one of the things that goes by the wayside is, are paying attention to our health. Really, it's it's a challenge for us uh, if we're not in, if we're not in, if we're still in trauma, or still drinking or using drugs or whatever any of those things. Of course, um, we are focused on those things, our trauma, rather than you know our our physical well-being. But it's all connected. And there's a very good book called The Body Knows the Score. Uh, that was written a number of years ago now, but it it, it talks about the uh, the consequences in your body of, in different ways that happen when you're um, when you're uh, you know suffering trauma. That's what it's about, and it's really good. And you know, it goes through everything from you know uh, uh, stress related things to 
digestive-related things to cancers to, I mean, all, on and on and on. There's a lot of things that um, that we suffer. We don't think about it, but it is directly related to child abuse. So I'd check that out if I was somebody out there and wasn't aware of it. Body yeah, knows that's a great book. Yeah, the body keeps the, yeah, I think it's the body keeps the score. It's by oh, keeps, Dr. You're right, keeps. keeps yes. It's by Dr. Uh, Dr. Bessel Van Der Kolk, K-O-L-K, and it, it is an absolutely it's exceptional. And I think it's I think it's a great um, a great read. Um, it's, it answers the question why why do the work? Well, this is why you do it. Um, That's right. Absolutely. So um, there's a couple other books similar. Yeah, the body keeps the score. What does that mean? Well, Bill kind of said something. So it sets up. It makes the. It makes the. It it develops the premise that, you know, untreated trauma has consequences beyond, um, you know, our depression. (laughs) It has physical ramifications. In other words. But the bot in the body, and uh, not not everybody was thinking of that when this book was written. It was kind of a novelty, and now it's more and more doctors are starting to, you know, physicians are starting to understand. But frankly, I got to tell you, in many ways, uh, it's we survivors, it's we people in recovery, that are educating the medical community. They don't know; it's not their fault. They just don't. They weren't taught it. But uh, now there are therapists that do teach it, and are um, and and books that are written about it. So I do recommend it. Uh, there's somebody else here, uh, 209, area code. Uh, I just unmuted their uh, line. So area okay. code 209. Area code 209. It's 969. I'm not going to say the last four digits. We unmuted your line, and you'd like to um, say hello. And contribute, you're welcome to. Um, it's up to you. If not, you can listen in. So thank you for calling in. Can you hear me? Yes. Oh, you can? Oh, okay. I yes. thought I was just listening. This. Hi, this is Jory. I was listening on the website, and I wanted to call in because you were talking about self-care. self-care and I wanted yeah. to share that um, I had a hamster and it um, its wheel broke, and the hamster got really skinny and was dying. And I got, finally decided to get a new wheel. It was just really cheap at a garage sale, and I'm like, I'll just get this. I think the guy's dying. But I put it in there, and he slowly started walking on this wheel, and then it got to a point where he was running, and he lived for another year. And then I realized, I did some research, and I realized that um, – Hamsters get very depressed if they don't exercise, and they die from depression. So it's kind of like us. We we do need to keep moving and um, keep active, or we can have health consequences. Wow, that is a fantastic analogy, and I did not know that. I did not know that. Thank you for sharing that. Um, yeah, that was interesting. I'm a hamster. I'm a hamster. I'm totally a hamster. Though. I kind of wanted to just listen and not have you guys hear me because I don't want to be um, disruptive. I have a two-year-old grandson who's staying with me, so I'm going to go back to the live 
um, on the uh, website, but I am listening. Wonderful. You don't thank you for us. Thank you. Okay. I don't want you to think, I'll keep listening. I don't want you to think, okay. But I don't want you to think What's you're that? destructive. You've added quite a bit. Okay. To I'll tell you already. what. I'll keep. I'll keep it on like this. But if he starts screaming again, because he's very attached to me, he just moved in and um, with me, and, and he's crying at my door, Grandma, Grandma, Grandma. <laughs> so Aww. he's two years old. <laughs> you know what you should do about that? You should get him a wheel. I mean, really, break down and get him a wheel. <laughs> I know. Actually, you know, even better, I, even better, I got him one of those trampolines that have the cage around it, and I zip him in there like a babysitter and let him just go. <laughs> Yeah, I'll have to take yeah. a video of it and share it on Facebook. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Oh, as, as experienced mothers know what to do. <laughs> yeah. That's great. I missed the well, first half hour um, of what was being said. Um, is there a quick recap? Uh, what did we talk about in the first hour? It was um, half hour, I think. Half hour. It was. It, oh. I think you you might have missed some of. Um, we described some of what NASCA does, and especially the radio show and the recovery group, uh, and some other things. But they were, we were discussing some of the tools that we offer. Oh, and, okay. And the fact that they were all free and people should, you know, should not be afraid to take advantage of what we have. That's what they're there for. Okay. Sure. So yeah, that that's that's correct. That's correct. And uh, you obviously are um, versed and are aware and have experience with NASCA website, but um, you may have heard, or you may not have heard that Bill obviously founded NASCA and he's on the line, and he just wanted to build something that he could, didn't have when he was going through his recovery, which is all the resources that you would ever need are in one place. So it's, it's well, a comprehensive, but it's a good one. I think for myself and many other people over 50, um, we never were allowed to speak about things. Right. And um, I think for me, for example, I flipped out and wrote a horrible book. But um, looking back at it, I believe I did that for recovery, and I didn't really know how to handle uh, the situation I was put into all of a sudden, just coming to the realization of being molested by my father wasn't normal and some other things that happened, you know. So it's good that we have these um, tools, but um, too bad we can't share them with the younger generation more, somehow reach out to them. Because um, even though my book is really atrocious and people, a lot of people hate it and made fun of it and everything, it has helped a lot of people in my little community. Um, I actually speak at juvenile halls, and one of the girls um, told me that her, she just had a baby, and was forced to put it up for adoption, and um, that it was actually her stepfather's baby, and that um, her mother didn't believe her, and 
I told her, you know, I believe you. And I'm telling you, the girl jumped out of the chair and just came over and leaped and hugged me. Um, she, oh. you know, this still it's still happening where people still don't know it's okay, you know, regardless if people believe you or not. I mean, I had so many people not believe me when I went on Dr. Phil, even though I didn't lie. And, you know, they're doing the same thing, treating me the same way they don't want to be treated. So it's, it's kind of a, um, a sad thing to go through. I'm sorry, you Gloria, that. that. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I think, go ahead and ask your question, Bo. Oh, I, I was just going to make a note. I was going to tell her that, um, you know, she sounds pretty knowledgeable and experienced about this, and I think that's wonderful. I mean, I'm surprised she's listening to the show. She knows a lot about this stuff. <laughs> she's listening to the show. And that, we do need people like that who are, who are engaged enough to maybe want to learn, hear something new, or just refresh what they know. But we we are all about, if we could get them, you know, helping the newcomer. And by newcomer, our newcomers are not in their 20s, and most are not in their 30s. They're in their 40s. Oh. Uh, but we would, we would love to reach people younger than that. And if you had any ideas about how to do it, we'll, we'll engage with that. Is a it's it's not um, it's not that we don't want to. It's just we don't know how. We don't know. I mean, what would we do? Do it on uh, Twitter and so forth. Um, you know. Well, uh, um, I almost feel like um, TikTok is where everybody goes to. Um, you know, you can maybe make somebody can help make a video. Somebody you know experience in that can make a video about how you know there's adult older survivors who have um, dealt with their abuse who are here to talk to you and help you through, you know, your journey when you're ready and just log into this. I think TikTok is the way to go right now. I know there's some other places like FaceTime, but I don't really know much about them. I don't know. I know I get, I help my community through, I have a friend who's a social worker so she invites me to speak to um, juvenile hall children and also um, foster, um, so, uh, what are they called, other social workers just like her. You know, I, I publicly speak with them locally for free and talk about my journey. And, um, you know, it, it, it's always there's always at least the one person in the crowd that comes up and says, you know, they understand. <laughs> so, That's right. Wow. That's right. Yeah, I can't always that commend, I just really commend you so, for doing that. You've never been on our show before, huh? You've never been. You've never done a guest spot on our show, right? To tell your story. Um, pro- probably like ten years ago. Really? Okay. Yeah, like well, like when like I was first. <laughs> I w- I I believe I was pretty delusional then. I was going through a schizophrenic stage in my life. And I think from what I'm understanding, it's pretty common to become yep. manic when you're going through uh, the yep. journey of discovery. Um, I yep. actually um, am just now going through with a DNA expert um, the resolution to figure out if my oldest son is actually my father's child right now. Oh, my God. Wow. Oh, wow. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's. I mean, there's no match for him for his father, and it's showing up as just me as a parent only. <laughs> you know, so it's really hard. Um, you know, but well, it's you know, not certain or anything. It's just, it's just, it's it's a possible. It's a possibility. Sure. Well, this is you know, and incest I, and people I, know. I, I mean, yeah. Go ahead. I commend Healthy. you. Hard to face. But- Hard to face those truths. I commend you for your work. That that's tough. That's that's hard. It's hard to face those truths, but you're very strong. You're a very strong person, and, and I'm speaking as somebody that, you know, it's it's a hard thing to admit that your biological father molested you. Not well, and then, you know, I went on Doctor Phil, and they called the show My Sisk of Lies. And there was not one thing on the show I lied about. And it's really heartbreaking for me because um, it felt like, you know, I was um, letting down a lot of people because, you know, they they thought maybe I was lying for attention or book sales, even though I donated the book. I mean, it was really hard to figure out, like, what is – what what am I doing? <laughs> you know, I mean, I had a great real estate career, and I just went bonkers. You know, dealing with this. I don't know how common that is. Uh, you mean you mean following? I mean, having a a, a parent as a, as a contributor to you? That's not uncommon. Uh, okay. The topic the topic of incest isn't discussed enough, frankly. I don't think. But it's real. Uh, now I'm from a un, I'm from an unmarried woman, I, uh, and I, I didn't. And she gave me up for adoption uh, right away. I never knew who she was until recently. So we all have these things in our past that are you know question marks about it, and they they do affect us how we feel about ourselves and our lives and so forth. I still don't know who my father was because although I did find my mother through DNA. Um, she had she had, had the baby out of wedlock and uh, never identified the dad. So there's DNA in, in me that doesn't belong to her side of, you know, me, her her family, my family. Oh, okay. My family. Yeah. So I'm so, I'm know, curious because uh-huh. you had said earlier I heard I heard when I was listening in that you were 70, and I know yes. that. Um, Back then, especially, it was a very shamed upon for women to yeah. have children out right. of wedlock. Now people have right. three and four kids out of wedlock with different dads, and it's no big deal. But um, back then it was horrible. I'm curious, do you think that the DNA is just half hers or more? Half. Because I, I have been able to, using DNA, been able to find out that I have, for example, uh, several cousins. Uh, I have two aunts because she was one of three girls. Uh, I never even knew what she did for a living, but I found out some of that. So I, in other words, I've found out more than just a name. Uh, I've, I've looked back and looked back and looked back into previous generations. And what I can tell is that from, from her side of me, of, of my family, um, you know, they, they're basically from a certain, they're from, you know, Ireland and England and France, a lot of French, uh, and uh, a little Italian and so forth. But the part that's missing that nobody else has is like Romanian. It's Eastern Bloc 
European. We're not sure what. It could be Polish. Oh, okay. Like that. And there's nobody else that has that. So that has to have been contributed by my dad. And it's about a third. Okay. Of me. So it's a lot. These issues are really rampant all over the place. And we keep them as a secret. That's the worst thing you could do. But my, my family did. He did. I understand back then in the 50s that, you know, it was it was shameful to be uh, pregnant and not have a husband, right? So she actually moved from sort of uh, eastern Massachusetts down to New York City and and stayed there and had the baby. Uh, and I don't think anybody in Massachusetts really caught on to why she had gone away. She was an artist. She was a dancer and so forth. So ostensibly, she went on for, you know, to New York for her modeling career and acting and so forth. So, um, but the point is that there are these secrets in everybody's family. I have them in my, in my adoptive family too, that are, that are, um, deemed to be so shameful, frankly, that they're not worthy, they're not appropriate to bring up. And I don't believe that now. I mean, I've experienced this. So, you know, of course, the other thing is. There, there weren't adoptions. I mean, there were adoptions, but there were not abortions back then, very few. And so a woman who got pregnant didn't have the choices that they've had over the last, you know, 30, 40 years. And now, um, you know, you're right. In New York City at the time where I was adopted, you could only have two kids. My, my parents, who could not have children, were only able to adopt myself and my sister because that was the limit. Uh, there were so few babies being offered. <laughs> but now, Jeez. if you can afford it, they'll give you 10, you know, <laughs> you can afford mm-hmm. it. and they need that. So, but this topic, I don't want to go too far away from what you're asking. The topic of uh, fathers who, uh, who uh, you know, fathers who are also, uh, you know, are, are the sperm contributor, let's say, to the pregnancy of their daughter. Is not that un- un- uncommon? Not. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we should talk well, about it more, so- though. So it takes the it takes the blinder off of these things. These are topics that yeah. we usually think are, you know, inappropriate. They're not. You know. Yeah. If you and I don't talk about what happened to us, then people that follow us won't feel it's appropriate, and I won't, I don't want them to do that. You know. Right. Well, the other thing is that I think is the most disgusting thing, and it still happens, is the excuses for the molest. Like um, my mom always said he couldn't help it because he was an alcoholic. And that just gets me because it's like saying it's appropriate and it's okay and, you know, it's no big deal. And that's kind of why I grew up thinking there, there wasn't anything wrong with it. You know, like that was just how it was. Yeah, well, it's not just how it was, but it does. It did happen often. It still happens. We have a, 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 you know, statistics that show that a huge percentage of children uh, are engaged with a, a family member sexually. Uh, and, yeah. And, and you know, more than half of that number are girls. Uh, but, yeah. You know, in my case. I was, I was, a, you know, I, my experience was shameful too. It was just happened to be, you know, I was abused. I was one of those boys that was abused by priests and so forth. So, you know, that, but that in itself, from the community I came from, was disgusting. You know, you couldn't talk about that. Yeah. You know, 
So, 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 um, so yeah. So she brings up a really good point. Um, okay. Which is, she said, you know, her mother minimized it. Her mother made excuses like, well, you know, it's the drinking. Right. And right. So I was. It wasn't a lot of people and a lot of survivors. I've heard their stories say, you know, it's what I thought was normal. It's what I thought just happened. You know, I didn't. Right. When you're in these patterns and they and you grow up with them, you know, you don't know any different. And it's, that's part of recovery is realizing that, you know, what you grew up thinking was normal or not totally abnormal is actually not normal at all. I didn't know the way that I was touched as a young three-year-old was, you know, not normal. I thought it totally was normal. I thought all right. fathers touched daughters that way. So I think what, what you said, and thank you for contributing that, Dory, was, you know, this is part of the whole recovery process and why I think a lot of people just, I mean, it, it takes you a while to get into your adulthood to recognize that this happened because some of the times, you know, it's just what you're not, what you knew and what was, what it was, what it was, and it was minimized. So this is all part of the recovery process. That's true. And my sister says that she was not molested by him, but he did try to French kiss her at her wedding um, several years years back, and I had brought up to her that that was not normal, <laughs> and I yeah. think she's still in denial and just thinking that it wasn't a big deal and it wasn't bad and whatever. I don't know what she's thinking, but um, you know she is a major alcoholic, and I think she just uses alcohol to cope with things she doesn't want to deal with. Exactly. Well, well that's, I did, that's, but that's very common, fine. you know, because mm-hmm. you don't want to think about what you went through. You know, you want something to soothe it. One of the things you can you can turn to is drugs and alcohol, which I did, and sex too, which I did. But I was lucky enough that at about thir- age thirty, you know, I did get into recovery, and uh, so I've had quite a chunk of my life, uh, more than half of my life, uh, where I've been healing. From the drugs, alcohol, and the, and the child abuse, mm-hmm. but um, this is not common. We got to make it more common. We got to bring the topic up over and over. In fact, I want to ask you to come on our show as a special guest and tell your story again, because we don't remember it, but you obviously <laughs> okay. from what you said that, Well, what you said today is amazing, and, and oh, thank you. And you have a lot of experience that we don't want to waste under the bushel basket, right? But you're yeah, but you're right that's fine. Yeah. So, you know what? If you would like to uh, be on the show, just write me an email, and you'll find my name and email address all over the website. Um, sure. Bill Murray. Yeah, Bill Murray. And write to that and remind me that you were on the show tonight and that you'd like information uh, about how to be on the show yourself as a special guest. be happy to uh, set that up for you. Absolutely. No, that's that's nice. Uh, I really like helping other people because I know how difficult it is to go through it, um, the recovery, and to just face the facts that something happened, it wasn't okay, and to deal with it. I mean, I dealt with it the, in the worst way, I think, but um, everyone's different, and I it's better than committing suicide or doing something crazy, so, you know. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, don't to be too hard on yourself. This is not your fault. It never was your fault, as you know. And yeah. it never is any child's fault that this stuff happened to us. It's always the adult in the situation who is at fault and who's responsible, not us, ever. So I often know, wonder if they even it. realize what they're doing is actually wrong. Like, for me, I almost feel like my dad wrote it off as normal and it's not a big deal and who cares uh, that does happen especially if uh, if uh, he himself observed this from his own father and you know grandfather yeah i'm wondering that i i, I yeah. do think maybe that is the case that he yeah. was raised to think it was normal yeah yeah right well it sounds like you were told something like one of our hosts here says when she finally told her mother that her older brother was molesting her, her mother said, oh, well, those things happen in families. And that's, yeah. that's not true. You know, that's not a good answer. No, no. it's not appropriate. No. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, of course not. No. I'll get off the air because well, I don't want to – there's only a couple of minutes left, and I don't want to yeah. completely occupy well, the end of the show here. Well, and, th- and thank you, Jory, so much for calling in. And the one, the one last comment that I wanted to make was, you know, you had said we had talked about, you know, unfortunately, you know, incest and 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 the molestation of a uh, 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 biological father to his daughter. And I know it could happen with fathers and sons and mothers and sons, but we brought up the, yeah. the father-daughter relationship. You know, it is common. And what is really uncommon is for someone to lie about it. So, you know, you had said you weren't believed or, you you know, you, you do your public speaking and you're in, you know, all the pension centers yeah. and you see someone that comes up and says, you know, I wasn't believed or, I mean, here's the thing. Mm-hmm. We both know how difficult it is to, we all know how difficult to, to acknowledge the abuse and the sexual abuse. You know, yeah. It's very rare that some, a child especially makes it up, you know, so that is rare. Yeah. Uh, fact that it happens isn't rare, but, but lie, a child or anyone lying about it is this is not, that is not rare. Well, and I also not- had like vaginal scar tissue that had to get removed as an adult, and the doctor told me it was from very, very young, young, young childhood. But you can't prove who it was from, even though I was like, well, obviously it was my dad. And they're like, well, you can't prove it. It's Even though it's scar right. tissue from the age, you know, five or so, you know, they don't know. Right. They can't prove that it was him. Well, it sounds like you might actually have that proof, though, at some point. <laughs> yeah, I, exactly. That's true. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and sometimes, you know, having answers is some, some for some people, they find that healing as well, you know, having answers. Is, yeah, I'm right now you know. my son's not talking to me. He's really upset because I always told him his dad was somebody who I knew who died. Um, and now with DNA, you know, it, the truth is coming out. <laughs> but, um, you know, we're getting through it. Yeah, well. He's 35. You sound like well, such an amazing person. You just thank you for calling she? in. She oh, does. Yeah. You and Philip, I to say, in terms of our, um, our panel tonight, Philip, and uh, Dory, thank you so much for calling in. It does make for such a question to have you call in and participate. We thank you. And um, we do only have uh, 90 seconds left in the show, so I would like to sign off. And also, I'd like to thank Bill. Uh, 
for calling in and supporting the panel and being a, a host with Kim and myself tonight. Um, and I do want to thank you, Kim Lakin. Thank you for being on as usual, being my partner in crime. Appreciate you so much. You. And um, um, I feel like through NASCA, I've gained another sister, you know, which is we call it the NASCA family. So thank you. And uh, for those of you that are listening tonight, please visit us at nasca.org. That's N-A-A-S-C-A dot O-R-G. And all the resources that we discussed tonight, including the show schedule, including the Zoom recovery meeting information, all the information that NASCA provides is on that website. Um, we are uh, so appreciative of, uh, of your viewership and of your support. So... Um, uh, thank you very much for um, all the participation, everyone. This show, as most of our, as all of our shows, will be archived and also available on our website. Um, you can find those archived shows um, on the on the front of the website. This is scan number three one one eight. So it will be there in about thirty minutes. Um, if you wish to listen to it again, and as I always say. There are enough adult eyes and ears in this world to keep every single one of our children safe. So if you see something, if you hear something, please say something, do something. It's our responsibility to take action. Thank you. On behalf of NASCA, and good night. Good night. Good night. Bye-bye. Love Talk Radio.